In a world filled with information, where do you turn to get straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money? Lock it in to the longest-running financial talk show in Arkansas and let us help you build the bridge between information and application. Real financial change begins right here, and it starts with you. It's showtime! On today's show, the lasting effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. There's no shortage of predictions on what those will be, but we're talking about looking past the pandemic to adopt new normals that will better your financial future. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. And good morning and welcome in to another edition of the Get Ready for the Future show. My name is Scott Inman, along with John Shrewsbury and Janet Walker. Glad to have you along on our live stream on this Wednesday morning on Facebook Live and on YouTube. And welcome to our radio audience listening in on Saturday morning. That's still confusing probably for a lot of people, but (laughs) just to recap, we are live streaming. So if you're listening to the radio program and have been doing so for quite some time, you can catch the live version on Wednesday mornings at 1130 on our on YouTube or on our Facebook Live uh, channels. But, of course, we still love that you listen on the radio as well. All that cognitive dissonance as to what day it is is not <laughs> related to COVID-19, by the way. <laughs> yes, that's right. So we're obviously talking in terms of Wednesday. So some things, uh, especially when we talk about markets and things, always know that uh, those those were happening on Wednesday. And speaking of the markets, one of the features of today's show, we will be joined by Ryan Dietrich from LPL Research. He is uh, always kind enough to join us about once a month. Uh, we get him on. and he's He's, uh, he's hyped about this. He, he yeah. messaged me earlier going, hey, I'll see you at uh, 1140. And I was like, yeah. Well, well, I was going to say he's a busy guy, but maybe he's not that oh, well, busy today. <laughs> Slow day in the research department today. He yes. cleared his calendar for us. Yes. <laughs> so we'll be talking about the markets with him in the second segment on today's show. If you have a question for Ryan and you're watching on our live stream today, you can send that in. Uh, if you're watching on Facebook, just put it in the comment section. We'll be glad to pass that along to him. It's going to be an interesting discussion with Ryan, too, with everything that's going on in the markets. Uh, the markets have collectively said for we've forgotten about COVID-19 now uh, it is in the rearview mirror or at least they've forgotten about the economic impact of, right. of COVID-19 yeah. because there is such a disconnect between where the markets are and where uh, the fundamentals of the economy are and and I'm going to be interested to hear what Ryan has to say about that because I've got my own theory that I'm going to float to him and and we'll we'll talk about that in the second segment. So most of today's show, the theme is going to be our takeaways from the the uh, changes that were forced upon us economically with all of the shutdowns. Uh, we have some statistics to share with that regard of how Americans are saving more. Uh, we know that life has changed, and and we know that uh, the term "new normal" gets thrown around uh, thrown around quite a bit out there with regards to what is it going to look like? What's American life going to look like moving forward? And I got to be honest, I, I get a little bit uh, irritated by the term new normal because mm-hmm. I don't want to strive for the new normal. I want to strive for normal. I, I loved American life yeah. the way it was with everything that we had for uh, entertainment, for uh, family life, and everything that was the enjoyable in my life. I want to get that back or at least have access to it again. So, I bristle at that term, but the reality is there are also some things that happened in my life during the last few months, and I would imagine yours too, that I do want to adopt. Those changes yeah. I do want I do want to become part of my new normal because they're going to be positive changes. Yeah, I think that we need to intentionally make some choices about you know some of these we get to make in our own households about what changes are we going to keep and guard, and what changes are we going to say you know what we're we're not keeping that. I, I am I'm tremendously concerned about the future of small businesses because so many of them are still going through a very difficult time with all the the shutdowns and all the regulations that are in place. So I am I am praying for that to return to normal for them. But on the flip side, when you look at like our calendar as a family, there needs to be more on it than there is right now. But it was pretty insane beforehand. Yeah. And yeah. so a slowed pace, not a no pace, which is what we had for a while, but a slow a slower pace than what was the norm at the time would be a good thing. And then one of the things we're really going to focus on today is the savings. You know, 
know, it was mm-hmm. almost a forced savings time because if you can't go anywhere and spend any money, then you are by default saving. And I think at least to a degree, that is something that needs to be maintained for a lot of people as well. Absolutely. And I think that there's um, some bargaining going on. I, I think that a lot of people have come to the conclusion that there is risk in everything in life and this idea, this preposterous idea that we cannot have any risk of getting COVID-19 before we can get back to normal is just out. I I think people, especially in Arkansas, are totally over that. Now, they are certainly a little bit more wary, a little bit more concerned. You know, even here at GenWealth, we still have folks that are wanting to meet by by video conference as opposed to come in the office and understand that. That's not a problem. But I think this uh, I think we've kind of come to center, at least from the the far distance we were uh, at the beginning of this, because, frankly, we didn't really know what we were dealing with in the beginning. And so everybody did hunker down and, and, and go, okay. Let's and it made sense to to uh, to flatten the curve, so to speak, to keep the hospitals from being overwhelmed. Right. But I think we're far beyond that well, at this time. We didn't know what the fatality rate. We didn't know what right. the hospitalization rate. There were just so many unknowns in the beginning. Now we have that data, and I think that's why, although cautiously, all the states now are starting to move forward at a slower pace. And mm-hmm. I, and I think caution is certainly uh, still good to have. But when it comes to your personal finances. You know, we're going to talk in depth about the savings rate, but we did have some numbers to throw out in this segment. The personal savings rate, according to data, hit a historic 33% in April. That's according to the U.S. Bureau of Economic Analysis. Now, there are a lot of reasons for that, right? I mean, we we do know that some people uh, were able to get some uh, stimulus check or or whatever you want to call it, but they had some money wired into their account. And if they didn't have a significant job loss or we're, we're able to get by and added that mm-hmm. to the already uh, amount of income that they were already receiving that they were, had an opportunity to save where they otherwise wouldn't have. But I do think there has been a significant tightening of the belt yeah. for Americans, myself included, taking a look at what what you need and what you want and determining a big difference. And that, and that line that you drew recently was in a different place than it was three or four months ago. Yeah, and, and I think that people have reacted in, in a lot of different ways. But, uh, you know, the savings rate has has obviously jumped and skyrocketed. There, We have a actually a little poll on Twitter that uh, kind of speaks to this uh, on our on our uh, Twitter feed on G- at GenWealth FA. If you are a Twitter user, uh, we've got a poll that says, what is your reaction to the never going back to normal? Are you scared, excited, cautiously optimistic, or everything is fine? Well, uh, nobody said that they were scared. Nobody said that they were excited. They said that they were <laughs> cautiously optimistic or everything is fine. And so you and, and 60 percent of the folks that have responded thus far uh, have said that they are cautiously optimistic. Forty percent have said that everything is fine. So there you see that that kind of careful tiptoeing yeah. back into normal. I think a lot of people are just like you, Scott. They don't want to turn loose of what normal was because normal was comfortable. But we are knowing that we have to behave a little bit differently just to, to for common sense to prevail in a situation like this. Yeah, and I think it's important, too, to, to point out that uh, that savings rate has gone up in the midst of crisis. You know, I've read some articles here coming in before today's show, and, and just one that stands out to me, there was one shared by uh, uh, and no, nobody local, nobody that we know, but in an article that was written, a, a, a waitress who had uh, realized that she had spent about $200 a month on frivolous uh, snacks and mm-hmm. coffees and mm-hmm. things like that and being at home and not being out and not having a busy lifestyle had caused her to realize that she didn't need to spend that and has been putting that into savings well and i think therein lies a tremendous opportunity for a lot of people so it's now about balance so mm-hmm. if the amount was two hundred dollars when we look at it well that's a that's a little bit excessive for not required and and her job is that of a waitress i mean Mm -hmm. she's not even you know on a 40 hour a week salary with benefits type of situation so what we would say though is you don't have to go back to all right now it's zero zero is the wrong answer and 200 is the wrong answer find some balance you know allow yourself to enjoy life every once in a while and so if it's if it's 50 dollars, okay whatever works that'll provide balance for you Ryan Dietrich from LPL Research joins us to talk about the markets when we continue on today's Get Ready for the Future show 
right after this. Your retirement should be more. More what? More than just investments. More about you. Find out more when the Get Ready for the Future show returns. This is Scott Inman. At Genwell Financial Advisors, we understand that there should be more to retirement than just the size of your nest egg. Whether it's more time for family, a fresh start, or just stopping and enjoying life. Whatever it is for you, we know that your retirement should be more. With offices across central Arkansas, there is a GenWealth location nearby. Call 501-653-7355 or visit us online to schedule an appointment and harness the power of more. Securities offered through LPL Financial Member Fender SIPC. Investments and economics move at the speed of light. And we've got the latest information you need to know to stay ahead of the game. From GenWealth Financial Advisors, it's the fastest four minutes in investing. Welcome in. Scott Inman along with John Shrewsbury. Fastest four minutes in investing. And we're going to veer off a little bit into the long-term potential implications of the shutdown and, of course, the pandemic and the recovery from it. You know, we've, we've seen the markets rebound and rally and things are going well for the moment in the stock market. We've seen some surprisingly optimistic uh, unemployment numbers at the latter part of last week that could have also driven some of that market performance. But the long-term effects of everyone not going to work or almost everyone not going to work for even a couple of months in America are really going to be rippling for a while. And one of the things that you don't hear many people talk about, John, are what about the, the long-term implication on the solvency of Social Security. Yeah, so everybody is always concerned about whether Social Security is going to run mm -hmm. out of money before you get there. And a lot of people are driven to take Social Security day one at age 62 because they think, you know, I got to get my name on a check because they might shut it down at some point in time. Well, that's first of all false. It's not going to happen that way. But what you will see as a result of uh, the higher unemployment rate, people not going to work, and therefore payroll taxes not being extracted and sent to the Social Security Administration, you could see the Wharton School of Business is predicting somewhere between a three and four year acceleration of the lack of solvency in Social Security. You know, the date has always been somewhere around 2035, 2036, Scott. Now they think it could be as early as 2032. Wow. Now, does that mean that you won't get a check from Social Security after 2032? No. Answer to that is absolutely not, because the Social Security system is a pay-as-you-go system. The money that is extracted from paychecks today is going out the door to beneficiaries tomorrow. So unless people just stop working altogether, then there will be Social Security. But as the administration has talked about before, Scott, there may be some adjustments that have to be made as a result of Congress maybe not doing what they need to do to shore up the system. Anytime we bring up Social Security for the first time in a client appointment, that's the natural reaction is, is it even going to be there? And I, right. think, I think that's the big takeaway is, is that even if this trust fund is depleted four years quicker than it was originally thought it would, the checks will keep coming. If Congress doesn't act, those checks might be less and would yes. be less if they don't act. But I think what I see in this is, first of all, it's startling that that, much, that short amount of time could have that much of an impact on the acceleration. But it just means that Congress, in my mind, can't kick the can as far down the road as they were likely going to kick it. Yeah, Janet talks about the fact that uh, uh, he, she quotes Winston Churchill that said, uh, sooner or later, the American people do what's right after they've exhausted all other possibilities. <laughs> right. and, and I think that's very true with the American Congress. And so you're not going to see a whole lot of... Uh, impetus to do anything on this until the heat comes on. But once the heat comes on, we do believe that Congress will act and they don't have to be dramatic measures. Be careful in thinking about changes to Social Security that are going to broaden the payout from Social Security. That's mm -hmm. going to be talked about in the presidential election a lot, but that's not necessarily a solution to the problem. That actually is exacerbating the problem. The solution to the problem is doing things like adjusting uh, the, the full retirement age and that type of thing and also 
increasing the uh, dollar amount that, on which Social Security is uh, applicable as far as income tax is concerned. And if you want to hear more about Social Security, we did a whole show on it last yes. week with Mary Beth Franklin, an interview with her on the Get Ready for the Future show. So you can go back and check that out on podcast anywhere you get a podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, and hear a lot more on Social Security. But that's all the time we have for today's Fastest 4 Minutes in Investing. For John Shrewsbury, I'm Scott Inman. Thanks for watching on social media and listening on the Get Ready for the Future show. It continues next. Smarter, simpler, and more personal. The Get Ready for the Future show continues after this. From the Gen Wealth Radio Network Studios, we're back with more of the Get Ready for the Future show. Talking about some takeaways, some adoptions of new normals that would be actually good for your financial future as we come out of, hopefully very soon, the full effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. We are going to talk in this segment, though, about the markets. And joining us as he does about once a month is Senior Market Strategist for LPL Financial, Ryan Dietrich, joining us via Skype today. Good morning, Ryan. How are you? Good morning, guys. I'm doing fine. And yeah, it's uh, there's a lot to talk about over the past month since last time we chatted. So looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it is something that we want to start with from a quick look. It certainly appears that uh, the S&P 500 has nearly erased the impact uh, from COVID-19, or at least the impact that COVID-19 had on the markets just a couple of months earlier. But I want to take a look a little closer, kind of look under the hood for us. It, it doesn't appear maybe that the market rally has been super broad. What, what, what are your thoughts are on the strength of the rally and where we go from here? Yeah, well, Scott, I mean, it's just unbelievable, first off. At the lows, the S&P on March 23rd was down 30% for the year. And just the other day, we flirted with being positive for the year. We're right about flat, give or take here. And in the history of the S&P 500, we found there's never been a year that was down 30% at one point and goes all the way back to finish the year green. So without saying anything we don't know, what we are seeing here is truly historic. But what's going on right now? You know, we are fairly encouraged by the fact that technology and healthcare did really well. Last couple of weeks, though, they kind of passed that baton over to some of the cyclical value names, industrials, financials, and those have started to take a turn. So, you know, bull markets work by kind of passing that baton back and forth. So we're not so certain that breadth is as weak as it sounds, and it's more normal. And I mean, we can get into it maybe later, but you know, we just had the greatest 50-day rally ever. Let's be honest, in the, at least on the S&P. There could be a well-deserved June swoon or June pullback after a 40-plus percent bounce. Ryan, we've all been obviously encouraged by the early improvement in the economy that we've seen, but your team doesn't expect that quick return to normal. As you said, we may go through a June swoon. Uh, I'm assuming you're thinking that that's going to be short-lived and then maybe a slow climb back up the ladder uh, and a return to more normal conditions. Is that fair? That's right, John. I mean, the big thing that caught us all off guard, honestly, was last week when we got the two and a half million jobs created during the month of May, almost 10 million more than all the 70 economists at Bloomberg were expecting. So that's everybody's looking around saying, oh, maybe this economy is going to come back a little bit more than we think, at least initially. And our take is, hey, what leads the economy better than anything? Honestly, it's the stock market. The stock market was getting worried in February and March before the headlines were terrible the month of April and May. And now the stock market is leading us. So we do think the economy might come back a little bit more initially, but longer term, three to six months from now, you know, we, if we get out of this recession, we think it's going to be a very short recession. Just this week, it was announced we're officially in a recession, maybe, a, you know, three or four month recession. And that initial surge, because honestly, we're coming off of like zero, right? We've had such a stop in the economy, get initial surge, but it's going to take a long Long time kind of to get back to where we were just back in January. Last point on that, when we look at jobs, because we just lost 20 million jobs plus, right? If you look at the last couple of cycles, it sometimes takes three, four, five, six, even seven years after the Great Recession for the jobs to fully come back. So it's going to take a long time, in our opinion, in all likelihood, to get back to where we were from an employment backdrop. 
Ryan, when we look at the impact from coronavirus on on the economy and on the markets, um, you know, that in and of itself, without Washington stepping in, should have given us one path that we might have been able to predict. How much has Washington's, uh, I'm just going to call it interference in, you know, how things go uh, just in a natural flow, how much has that had an impact on your ability to understand really where we're headed in the markets and the economy? Well, it's definitely had an impact, Janet, no question about it. I mean, you look at, so we're talking about fiscal stimulus, right? Sure. The things that the government can pull, certain levers the government can pull. It's almost 10% of GDP here in the United States. If you look over in Japan, it's actually 40%. So this is a global phenomenon where governments are really trying to help those that have been the most impacted by this. But it is, is truly unprecedented. I mean, we've got the Fed also. The Fed has interest rates at 0%. They're doing a lot of things. It's kind of that two-pronged approach that we just had the worst recession in so many ways since the Great Depression. It's that to help the people that are most impacted to get to the other side for a couple of months when we've totally shut down the economy. And now we are opening it up, but here's where it gets interesting, and there's some conspiracy theory here. We just had two and a half million jobs created in May. Maybe the economy's coming back more than anybody thought. Could that put on hold that likely fifth um, fiscal stimulus plan that's supposed to come out in July or August? So we don't think it's going to put it on hold, but the size of that next plan could be lower. And what are they looking at for the next plan? Is to help states, municipalities, potentially also an infrastructure play in there. But if the economy comes back more than most of us think the next two months, the size of that fiscal stimulus plan uh, later this summer gets smaller. Ryan Dietrich is our guest on the Get Ready for the Future show. He's the senior market strategist for LPL Financial. Ryan, ultimately, the bounce back here or the return to normal, if you will, is going to be based on consumer spending. People are going to have to be willing to spend like they did before. So what's what's your read on how consumers will ultimately respond as we incrementally come back to, to normal in, in the way things operate? Yeah, I mean, Scott, let's be honest. The consumer made up, before all this started, about 70% of GDP. They were the true star. And then we just had record drops in retail spending, consumer spending. You guys know what soared last month? Savings. The savings rate went up to 33%. It makes sense, right? We're all stuck at home. We're doing a little online shopping, but we're really saving money. If you look at credit card debt, it has dropped significantly the last two months. So to me, believe me, there's not many positives of what's going on in our country and globally. But the fact that debt's actually come down as people get extra money and they're paying off debt, that is a uh, is a potential good thing there. But, but the bottom line is there's just the consumer, you think about the Great Depression for a second. For de- almost a decade, people were scarred and they didn't come back and spend as much because they were just scarred by what happened. We don't think that's the case now, but we're going to be watching this data very, very closely. Consumers for years might be kind of taking a step back and not spending quite as much as they did because they just remember the terrible thing that we just went through. Um, you know, it's kind of a toss-up what happens, but the consumer really matters, and we're going to see what they do. Let's hope they come back, but we're a little skeptical they're going to open their wallets right away here. So, Ryan, I'm going to ask you to get out your crystal ball, put your Swami hat on, and, and uh, let's look ahead. That's Burt White. That's not Ryan Dietrich. Well, that's, that's true. The hats are Burt White. Yeah. Uh, I'll borrow his hat. Yeah, you could probably borrow one of those and, and be uh, really okay. Uh, but going forward, are there some sectors or areas in the market that you and your team are especially excited about during this time? If, if you could say this is a focus for us at LPL Research as we build portfolios where are you putting money? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, John. So what we've what we've seen, we're going to st- stick with who brought us to the dance. I guess is the best way to put it. The growth areas, uh, technology and healthcare have done really well. The last couple of weeks, I'm aware, like we said, that baton was passed. Financials, industrials, the cyclical play has done better. But we think before the end of the year, the second half of this year, growth will probably outperform value by a little bit. And here's the interesting thing: when you have weak growth, you know what sector does better? growth stocks because investors are reaching for growth. Yes, the economy is going to improve the second half of this year, but it's coming off historically low levels. So we're still tilting a little bit toward growth here. We like the healthcare names. And honestly, financials and industrials are two perfectly good groups that if the economy keeps turning higher like we think it can, they can do well also. So we're not by any means getting defensive in the utilities, uh, some of those areas. We're we're, we're underweight those areas. And, And just overall, we still like the United States. We still like emerging markets. I mean, you look at what's going on 
in China, I mean, China's really, no one trusts their data, let's be very clear. But their stock market's doing pretty well. And you look around in Japan, Japan is really starting to do well from a developed market point of view. So there are some opportunities for global investors as well. We're still a little lukewarm, though, on Europe. Um, we've been lukewarm on Europe for years, honestly. Uh, so we're, we don't like that one as much. But emerging markets, Japan, U.S., those are still areas that look really good to us as we continue to grow the second half of this year. Ryan, let's talk a little bit about bonds at this point with uh, with fixed income really at, at basically zero on yields. What role do you see bonds playing as we work towards a recovery? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, there's always a role for the safety that bonds provide in someone's portfolio. But talk about yields. I mean, the 10-year yield just the other day was up to 90 basis points. I know that sounds crazy to think, oh boy, look how exciting this is. It's at 90 basis points, but that's way off the mat. So again, if you think the economy is starting to improve, look at copper, look at other industrial metals. There are links between what happens with yields and some of those industrial metals. As those are breaking out, yields could very well start to go higher as the economy improves. And what does that mean? Well, you know, historically, higher yields, maybe a little bit weaker bond prices. So to us, we still think stocks will outperform bonds the second half of this, or we'll say the final seven months of this year. But absolutely, there are so many wild cards, and you guys know, we, we can't talk about it this month, maybe next month. We're working on our mid-year outlook as we speak. And there's never been a year, I think, where it's like there are so many variables, specifically a second wave and what that could mean, where having some bond exposure, we've seen it before, it makes a lot of sense, especially with all this uncertainty that's out there. So Ryan, I, I, let's camp out on that for just a second, because I have a theory I want to I wanna uh, throw at you. Okay. And, I, and I know I'm supposed to be the financial uh, planner and you're supposed to be the investment guy, but let me throw, uh, float this. Borrow the hat for a second. That, I, I can do that. <laughs> so with bond yields where they are and, uh, you know, things are, you can't get any yield at the bank. You can't get any yield in the bond market to speak of. Doesn't that bode well for particularly dividend paying stocks because people will take a little bit more risk to try to get some type of yield on their investments? No, it ab absolutely does. And you think about it, if the economy does better, stocks should do a little better in bonds. So those stocks that pay a little bit more of a higher yield, absolutely. You know, consumer staples is a group I guess you could say is a little more defensive, but we have warmed to that group a little bit. And that's kind of the one group that does pay a little bit higher dividend. They've had some really good earnings. Obviously, you know, people are buying toilet paper and staying home. So those groups have done well specifically. Uh, so that, that makes a lot of sense to us as, as people kind of slosh around and fight over the yields. Some stocks that have a higher yield absolutely can do well and stocks in general should probably do a little bit better in bonds. So you get that double uh, double whammy, so to speak. I have seen the toilet paper return to the grocery store. So either demand is, yeah. is going down or supply is catching up. I'm not sure which is which on that one. But for sure, uh, those consumer staples, is inter those are, that's an interesting place to look. Got about a minute left here, uh, Ryan. We always like to uh, check in with your schedule, see where you're going to be and how people can get a little bit more information from LPL Research. Well, I'm still grounded, so we're not traveling <laughs> anywhere. But, I mean, you know, lplresearch.com, that's our blog. We write multiple blogs a day. That's a great resource that people can have. Also, I'm on Twitter, at Ryan Dietrich, where we share a lot of things. And at lplresearch is the uh, Twitter handle there. So there's lots of different ways you can still follow along, even though I'm grounded in Charlotte. All right, Ryan. Well, thanks very much for joining us today on the Get Ready for the Future show. Always a pleasure to have you on. Thanks, guys. See you soon. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that savings rate that Ryan was alluding to coming up in the next segment. Uh, the savings rate hitting 33% uh, during uh, this pandemic. What, what are some takeaways for you to adopt some new normals to better your financial future? We'll be back in a moment. There's more straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money right after the break. Stick around. Want more straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money? Listen to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Now back to the Get Ready for the Future show. If you have been uh, listening to the Get Ready for the Future show for any length of time at all, you know that we are waiving our financial planning fees through June 30th for folks 55 and older. And if one member of a married couple is 55 and older, that qualifies. And the reason we've been doing that, if you haven't heard, is that we are... Uh, using this opportunity during the pandemic to reach out to folks who may feel like they're a little strapped for cash and they wouldn't otherwise want to uh, let go of any excess cash to pay for a financial plan. We don't want that to stand in the way of you building a retirement income plan for you and your spouse. And we know that if you're 55 and older, 
uh, you're getting closer to that retirement date when we believe it is imperative to set up a plan on how you're going to distribute your life savings to you and not run out of money before you run out of time. So to take advantage of that deal, again, it only lasts through June 30th. We started this back on April 15th, so we only have a couple of more weeks left of it. We just need you to make the phone call and get the appointment on the schedule. That appointment can actually take place in July. We just need the appointment scheduled by June 30th to take advantage of the deal. This is a uh, a value of between $500 and $1,500, that financial planning fee being waived. So you can call 501-653-7355. You can do that right now, 501-653-7355. There's a Gen Wealth advisor ready to meet with you uh, in uh, offices with offices in Conway, West Little Rock, Bryant, Bossier City, Louisiana, and El Dorado. We have six offices now, so if you're hearing us today, you're likely are close to a Gen Wealth office. And again, 501-653-7355 to talk with Anna, and she'll get you on the schedule. So let's talk about whether it's a good time to come in. Because yeah. obviously, you know, a $1,500 financial plan, uh, if you don't have to spend that $1,500, that's a good time. But if you think about what Ryan was talking about, about the stock market and what's happened in the last 50 days or so in the stock market, there is maybe some reticence on people's part to go, well, maybe I don't want to go right now because the market's been going up so much. And maybe I don't want to deploy my money into the market right now. So let's look at, at uh, a couple of charts that uh, we've got one chart in particular. If you look back in the last 50 days from uh, June 3rd, of 2020 back 50 days you see that on the bottom of the list there the 50-day percentage change on the S&P 500 was nearly 40 percent 39.6 percent and that is the best 50-day change in the history of the S&P 500 and so Janet it's it's really very common for people to go well I don't know about investing right now but that's really not the point the plan will be useful whether you deploy money into the stock market right now or you just have it ready for that pullback that Ryan was talking about. Yeah, I mean, the plan is to get you to and through retirement, which means it doesn't matter if the market is at a high point or a low point. But I would also just encourage people on this mindset to not be focused on where is the market today? Are we at a high point it does not matter. Investing is about time in the market as opposed to timing the market. There are very few people who are able to get the timing of the market right, and they're not able to do it consistently. And so what you want to do is get your plan together that works regardless of whether we're at a high point or a low point. Guys, we've talked um, this year about the difference that just, you know, uh, just two or three weeks even between one investor mm -hmm. and another can make in their return. But the point point is if you have a plan that works regardless then you're in good order because you don't know when that timing is going to be let me see if i can uh maybe boil it down a little bit differently you have a set of circumstances that are as you said unpredictable you don't right. really know what those circumstances are but if you have a strategy that takes into account those unpredictable circumstances then you're ready. Then you know that you're ready. And I think when we talk about never going back to normal, if normal is not being prepared for retirement, you never want to be back there. Mm. You want to say never again am I going to be caught in a situation where mm. I feel fear and I feel uncertainty about where I'm at as far as my overall finances are concerned, and especially my retirement. We were talking with a couple the other day uh, that came in three years ahead of time for their retirement retirement planning. And I congratulated them for doing that. And they said, look, we're walking down this road and we've been working with this company that we have worked with for well over 30 years. And we've had a regular paycheck all that time. And now it feels like that we're just about to walk off a cliff and mm -hmm. have no support whatsoever, other than the money that we've been able to build up and save. And what we want to know is, are we going to be okay? And we were able to tell them that, yes, they are going to be okay. They've been very fortunate in the accumulation of assets and things of that nature. And that's what you can get from coming in and sitting down and doing a financial plan. It's, it's going to make you have clarity about what the future looks like regardless of what may be going on with COVID-19 or the markets or, you know, riots in the street or whatever the case may be, there are ways that you can strategize around a lot of those things and put yourself in a position to win. 
501-653-7355. You can also reach out via email info at getreadyforthefuture.com to schedule your appointment to begin the process of your no-cost financial plan if you're 55 or older. So according to data from Earnest Research, U.S. restaurant spending was down mid-May by 30% as millions of Americans were on lockdown, travel down 80%, and spending at movie theaters, sporting events, and arts festivals down almost 100%. So I guess somebody was having something open. I, I don't know how it was almost 100%. I thought it was across the board selling there. selling popcorn out the back door or something. That's I guess right. they were making it happen, right? Last quarter, uh, Americans deposited more than $1 trillion in savings. And we've got a chart that shows the increase, the dramatic spike in personal savings rate. Now at 33%. Take a look at that. I mean, you look at it, how it rocks along within a range of uh, about – five to 15 percent for the most part over uh, since 1960 going all the way back to 1960 so at historical highs right now and it happened so suddenly the pandemic that people just tightened their belt and were able to put away much of their income or wherever they their source of money was coming from and that is always just earth-shattering information when you figure that we were also at a time where people were likely dealing with loss of income yeah. and yeah. dealing with real hardships but when we are faced with those hardships we're able to make tougher decisions and do even better than we were doing before yeah scott i I think you've hit the nail on the head there with the logic behind the savings rate because frankly we could probably overlay an unemployment chart and you will see we've seen those jobs charts where the unemployment rate spikes at the end of that time period just like the savings rate does that we just looked at just a moment ago and i think what what's happening here is when people get scared they seek security and when you seek security financially you're going to save money and so the reality is you have the ability to do it you can flip that switch and if you've done it during a crisis the encouragement that we would give you is to continue doing that when the crisis is over i want to ask casey to put that chart back up for just a second because i want to i want to talk about a couple of inflection points on that chart if we can go back to that chart if you look around 2008 Mm-hmm. Uh, right there between 2005 and 2010, you see a pretty good spike in the savings rate. And then the savings rate actually pretty well had trended upward. Now, we had that real big spike around 2012, and then it fell off, and then it began to climb back up. But then, bang, look what happened. You guys did that. You were a, you did a great job of going, okay, it's real. It's serious. We don't know what the future holds, so let's get our savings rate up. And that is a great way to what I call get bulletproof. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've got cash, when all else is going crazy, you're in a pretty good position if you have a stack of cash. Now you have to think about what am I going to do with that cash? What am I going to do to actually be sure that I haven't just focused on the here and now But what about the future? What about the long-term prospects of your retirement, the long-term prospects of your financial security? Don't be like those folks in 2008 that put money in cash and left it there and never did anything with it and missed out on all the benefits of that market rally from 2008 all the way up to 2020. I just think you've got to have some reality about that, Scott, because if you don't, then you're going to repeat the same mistakes that other people made. Yeah, I think there are three steps that we could use to help folks today with making some adoptions of new normals. If, if you were one of those that pulled back the reins on spending and were able to increase your savings during this time, we talked at the beginning of the program how there are a lot of things we want to go back to normal, but these are things that we don't want to go back to normal. Why don't we really spend some time? Because this proves that savings is a mindset as much mm-hmm. as it is anything. So let this proves that moving forward, we can do better even when times get better. So the first thing we would recommend is to establish your emergency fund. And we say that a lot on this program. And we say as a guiding point, it should be three to six months worth of expenses. But what does that look like for you? feel you you know how you feel yeah. right now how how a certain amount in there can make you feel and set that number because you know three to six months is a range and, yeah. it, and it's obviously a range that's different for everybody because expenses are different but i know what my number is mm-hmm. and i know that i don't want that emergency fund 
ever to go below that. Now, in a true emergency, it will, right? Sure. But there's a level that I'm comfortable with knowing that, as John alluded to, I feel bulletproof now that I can respond to anything that comes my way. You know, a lot of people aren't really sure what to do after they get to that three-month point. Do you buckle down and go all the way to the six months of savings? What do you do in the middle? And what I encourage a lot of people do, and we'll just use $500 a month as an example. If you're able right now to save $500 a month, when you get to that three months of expenses threshold, maybe you drop that down to $250 a month or, you know, Pick your amount that you're comfortable with. But in the Walker household, we continue to add to our savings regardless of having it fully funded. It doesn't matter. We continue to add to it because things break, things happen. And so there's always an amount that gets added, although it might be a smaller amount than when you're building it up in those early stages. I I think that a lot of people thought we were crazy when we talked to them about three to six months savings in an emergency fund. And, we, you know, oftentimes we got people pushing back going, well, that money's not making anything. It just need, it's insurance money. And yeah. and when you hit a, a situation mm-hmm. like we did with the pandemic, you don't feel so crazy having that six months in, in savings because all of a sudden when the world's falling apart around you, or at least that's the perception that the world's falling apart around you, you want to have something to hang on to. And from a financial standpoint, I can think of nothing better than six months of savings in the bank that you could rely on if the bottom falls out of your world. So that's one simple step. We have a couple of more. We need to take a break, but we'll give you a couple of more steps to take to adopt some new normals that will better your financial future. That's the topic of today's Get Ready for the Future show. We'll take our final break and be back for our final segment right after this. Want to know what goes on in the studio? During this break, go subscribe to the Gen Wealth Financial Advisors YouTube channel and get all the straight talk on retirement, investments, and your money. Education-driven, strategy-based, team-delivered. That's how we roll on the Get Ready for the Future show, and we're back for more. Talking about that uh, concept of new normal today on the Get Ready for the Future show and everybody talking about our new normal and there are certain things that we want to return to full normal, but there are some new normals that we've found during this pandemic that we should try to adopt to better our financial future. And we gave you some steps on uh, our first of three steps on uh, taking some action so that you improve your financial future. We know that people are saving more during the pandemic and we, we recommend building that emergency fund of up to three to six months, but setting a number for you on it and reaching that, uh, that level, that threshold that you are comfortable with. Our second step is to figure out what you can live without. And I think that's a, a really interesting place to, to, to delve into because I think during this pandemic, we have all been forced to do that on some levels is to not spend money in places that we would kind of like to spend money with restaurants shutting down or at least the dining areas not being available. You know, that was the first thing that was stunning to me was thinking about, oh, well, I can still go get takeout from my favorite restaurant. And we did that a couple of times. And I realized that was really not the same. It wasn't what I enjoyed as much about that. You know, I enjoyed the food, but I enjoyed the atmosphere and the experience. So we stopped doing that. I learned to cook at home a little bit more. I'm I'm whipping up some things that I never used to be able to do. And I'm going to, and it's enjoyable. I found kind of a new love for cooking during all of this. And I'm going to continue. I'll be at your house this evening. Well, now that doesn't help me with my savings rate. If I've got to feed more mouths, I don't know if that's going to help me. But that's one area that I think will be a permanent change in my family is, is I don't know that we're going to spend as much on restaurants. Sorry for the restaurant owners that are listening, but we'll still go. But I don't know that we're going to go as much because we found kind of a uh, enjoyment of sitting around the table again and, and mm-hmm. cooking and putting together a family meal. And I think that, that obviously if that's okay with you, then that's, that's cool. I don't think we're advocating that you force yourself to do something that you don't really enjoy doing or, or avoid doing something that you do enjoy doing, uh, you know, once everything is more stable and what have you. But I th- do think that there are some things that will be revealed through this pandemic that are, are clearly things that you were spending money on that you don't have to. I, I've heard of people going through and and looking at their subscriptions that, oh, yeah. that they yeah. have and oh, going, yeah. okay, well, I don't... Uh, 
I don't watch, you know, whatever gizmo that is uh, that I've been paying for or whatever. And yeah, I, I'm going to cancel that. And then you have to spend, I don't know, six hours talking to them to get them to cancel. And they offer to give you free this and free that and all that it makes it a little bit hard. But there are things, Janet, that that you can do that you figure out, OK, that's not important to me anymore. Yeah. And it's OK to make those decisions. Well, and I, I think just just staying at home causes you to save money anyway in a lot of different ways i I mean when i grew up we lived out in the middle of nowhere there was no stoplight in the town where where i grew up (laughs) and you had to drive 30 minutes to get you know anywhere of any significance but what that meant is we didn't go out to eat as often but you know when you go out to eat you probably also stop by a store and you probably also pick up some other things you know just the nature of being out causes you to spend more money regardless of you know you may have just had one destination in mind but what happens is you're really spending more just by being out a whole lot more so i would just say you know one of the things that we talked about is wanting to have a more clear calendar not completely clear but a more clear calendar and that again impacts your savings rates well i i can just tell you that uh, you know saturdays are the days that i have to do a lot of stuff And I would get in the car and leave the house and, you know, maybe be gone for hours and go to this store and that store and maybe not necessarily needing anything from those stores. But, hey, I would have been thinking about that and I'll go over there and maybe buy something. And so I'll call it casual shopping uh, would be, Mm -hmm. you know, something that that, uh, I would normally do. I can't tell you when I did that the last time. It, it just right. hasn't happened. And so, you know, those are things that you can look then at your budget and go, okay, how can I reallocate that money? What can I do with those dollars? Well, I think that's an opportunity when you say the word budget, too. That'll create a new budget for you, and maybe it's a first-time budget for you once you've eliminated those recurring costs. It'll start to allow you to analyze what your budget would look like. And then maybe as you get to that third weekend of the month and your budget's getting to the top, you could say we're going to have to have a COVID weekend. We're going to have to stay inside, yeah. right, and can not do anything. It, can we call it yes, something that's else? that's probably not the than, best term, yeah, no. That's, social distancing Social weekend. distancing or a, or a lockdown weekend. Yeah. Well, that doesn't sound very much fun either. But <laughs> I, We used to have lock-ins at the lock church. Ins? Those were fun. So, okay. yeah, there you go. So <laughs> you create that. Yeah, so you, that budget really helps. Okay, so our final step, we've got a lot to get to in our final segment. Our final step to – Uh, better your financial future with a adoption of a new normal from the pandemic would be create some automatic savings. You know, Mm -hmm. Janet, you were already already talking about putting it into your emergency fund. And I think this goes beyond uh, savings into a cash account. We can get into investing as well, too. But create an automatic movement from the account that receives your income into your savings or investing. I'll tell you a simple place to start on this. When you look at those things that you pay annually or maybe every six months, like your auto insurance, or if you don't pay that monthly, then look at what is that total. If you pay it every six months, divide it by the the six months, and then just set it up where a couple of days after your paycheck is supposed to hit, that amount of money goes from your checking to your savings. And then when it comes time to write the check for your auto insurance, then you have that money there and it's not a panic moment. Now that is not savings for emergencies. That needs to be in addition to savings for bigger bills like that. But that's just an example of one way to just automatically do it. And it's something you know you're going to have to have. So it's very mathematical. This is the dollar amount, period. So as we start to free up some cash flow with these steps, it kind of brings it all back as we finish up the show to creating that plan for you. What What's the plan? What is the ultimate goal? Why are you doing all of this? And for most people, it's to reach financial independence at some point. We build a retirement income plan that distributes a monthly income to our clients. But if you're in that range of, you know, this, this applies if you're 25, 35, 45, but if you're 55 and you can see the finish line, but it's still a few years off, doing these things can create more cash flow so that you can increase your assets and have a better income in retirement. There is so much to be said for sitting down ahead of time before you get ready to retire. And I'm going to go back to the couple that I I met with this week that uh, are three years out and they came in and sat down. And and the the real revealing thing with this, the the husband was the kind of the instigator of, of getting in to do the plan. And the wife came in and said, 
you know, I've never had to worry about money. And now we've got all these decisions to make. And I said, well, our goal is for you to never have to worry about money in retirement. Mm -hmm. Laying out that plan is is a, a gift to you. It really is a gift to yourself because you get to sit down and say, okay, what does the next chapter in my life from a financial standpoint look like? And when you can do that, when you can employ some certainty into that equation, uh, when you can get some clear vision about what that looks like, there is something that goes on in your body that I think some uh, certain muscles that are always kind of almost tensed up about things like that, Mm -hmm. they begin to relax and and you begin to go, it's going to be okay. I'm going to really enjoy retirement because I now know what my financial situation looks like. You know, guys, I really think one of the greatest stressors of COVID-19 and everything that has come from that is uncertainty. When you really boil it down, it is uncertainty. And I think that that applies to retirement. You know, what are people concerned about? Sometimes they have a a problem putting a label on it, but it's really uncertainty. Am I going to be okay in retirement? How much income am I going to have in retirement? Is that going to be enough income? If you want to alleviate the all the issues that arise from uncertainty, you need to have a plan on paper, on purpose, that will address your issue. Retirement is essentially an income problem that needs a solution. And that's where our solve begins. The, the asset level that you reach retirement at is only applicable in terms of how much income you're going to require and that's your expenses in retirement and how much income you're going to desire that's your discretionary income in retirement so these plans are built uniquely for you and you have an opportunity to take advantage of getting one with no cost to you if you're 55 and older through june 30th you need to call and get that on the schedule and again i I can't reiterate enough that you don't have to actually come in in june if your schedule won't allow till july or even august As our final bell rings and it's time for our final thoughts, I'll start with that. Take advantage of us waiving our financial planning fees through June 30th by calling 501-653-7355. Again, the number is 501-653-7355. You can also reach out via email, info at getreadyforthefuture.com. Anna will talk to you. Anna Olive is our client introductory specialist and get you on the schedule to come in and begin your financial retirement plan. I will just say for a final thought, many people listen to a show like this and say, well, what do I do? Uh, Do I need to do anything? Well, the answer to that is yes. If you do not have a plan on paper, on purpose, that guides you to or through retirement, either side of, of that retirement event, then you need to call our office and sit down with an advisor and get that plan together on paper, on purpose, so you can have a track to run on as you head toward retirement. Janet? Because I think my final thought would be about this whole question of do we have a new normal or do we go back to the old normal? Make your choice. Analyze it and decide what you want because it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Pick your categories. Like, I want to go back to the old normal of being able to be in church on Sundays, but I want a new normal of not taking it for granted. And and I think a new normal for all of us on a, a better savings rate, you know, that's something that came pretty easily during this time period. Make it part of your new normal. Look at what your decisions are and just be intentional. What do you want to be the new normal and what do you want to go back to the old? 501-653-7355. That's the number to reach out at. You can call uh, that number right now. We have people available to answer your call if you're watching on live stream. And we thank you for doing that uh, for the Get Ready for the Future show this week. And our thanks again to Ryan Dietrich for joining us on the show. If you missed any portion of his interview or any portion of this show, you can always go back and watch it on Facebook. Uh, On our Facebook page, you can also check us out on podcasts. We'll see you next week. The Gen Wealth Financial Team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 501-653-7355. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment, and no strategy can assure success. Gen Wealth Financial Advisors is an Arkansas-registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. The Get Ready for the Future show is a production of Gen Wealth Financial Advisors, and opinions expressed are not those of this radio station and are for general information only. 